welcome to the Island Library. I'm Laura from Laura Liz Buckley. And I'm Jo from Josie Moon and welcome to episode one of our podcast. I'm Jo from Josie Moon. I'm a writer and an avid reader who loves young adult, all things romance and anything with witches involved in it. And over to my co-host. I'm Laura. I'm a Laura Liz Buckley. I'm also a writer and I read basically whenever I can. Um, Love YA, love fantasy, sci-fi, contemporary, romance, basically anything and everything. Today we are both talking about a YA book that we've read in the last week. Uh, So basically the way it's going to work, we're each going to read the summaries Then we are going to pitch the books to each other, have a little chat about what we liked, what we didn't like. We are going to rate the books and then we're going to decide whether or not we would take the book that we read to our island library. So if we have this very restricted library, which, you know, I can't possibly imagine being isolated on an island at the moment. I mean, what would that be like? Not being able to just go out and buy books whenever you want. I mean, Um, what what must it be like to not see anybody from society? (laughs) I... I used to think I had a good imagination, but I'm really struggling to picture that right now. So for historical context, we are recording this from like peak COVID isolation lockdown in the UK. <laughs> so He pushed us to do the thing that we've always wanted to do. So that is one small benefit to this huge pandemic. Downside yeah. is that life as we know it has come to a complete stop. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, swings and roundabouts. So right, with that in mind. The book that I read this week was Frankly in Love by David Yoon. So, summary from the back of the book. Frank loves Joy. Joy loves Frank. At least that's what they tell their parents. Frankly is caught between his parents' expectations and his own Californian life. Frank's parents emigrated from Korea and they have pretty much one big rule for Frank. He must date only Korean girls. But Frank has fallen for Brit, who is smart, beautiful and white. His friend Joy Song is in the same boat, and so they make a pact. They'll pretend to date each other in order to gain their freedom. Frank thinks fake dating is the perfect plan, but it leaves him wondering if he ever really understood love or himself at all. That sounds like such a good book, which I can't go into right now. So the book that (laughs) I read this week was Solitaire by Alice Osman or Osman. I'm not 100% sure, and I'm so sorry if I've said that wrong to any of the diehard Alice fans. Um, The summary from the back of the book is, my name is Tori Spring, I like to sleep and I like to blog. Last year I had friends, things were very different I guess, but that's all over now. Now there's Solitaire and Michael Holden, and I don't know what Solitaire are trying to do and I don't care about Michael Holden, I really don't. Ooh, okay. Yep. That's intriguing, but I'm going to have to put a pin in that. (laughs) <laughs> I'd like to just say because yeah. we were really discussing this when we were planning on how we were going to format this mm-hmm. that YA books have the longest summaries on the <laughs> book like the blurb and this I was actually quite short it's literally all I said I didn't have to edit it down and it was the most surprising thing when I turned over the book ready for this podcast and I was like oh <laughs> I don't need to edit the summary I had the same thing. I was like, after we had that conversation, I was fully prepared to take my editing pen to the blurb. And I was like, actually, that's really reasonable. That's fine. I can just say that. Okay, so my pitch for Franklin in Love. So Um, I haven't timed this, but I'm pretty sure it's less than 30 seconds. Okay. 
because that's our rule we have to pitch it in 30 seconds or less yes frankly in love is a whistle-stop tour of family race and love heartwarming funny romantic and unbelievably sweet it brings together nerdy characters with a ton of depth complicated relationship dynamics not all of which are romantic and some really important questions about loyalty and identity i like your pitch thank you i'm very intrigued by your pitch now so the discussion section um right where to start so for one thing I did I really loved this book I thought it was great it's dealing with a lot oh by the way what's our policy on spoilers do we are we avoiding spoilers or are we just discussing the whole book I think we should discuss the whole book but maybe the big huge spoilers maybe we can just be like there's this thing that happens and kind of talk around it because there's a fairly major shift that happens like it's a little over halfway through Mm. but it's pretty integral to it's not it's not the only major shift um I think I might just have to discuss it and say like it might be a spoiler but I think it's pretty clear from the setup of the book where it's going so I'm guessing that at some point their parents find out um it's actually not really the thing that I have in mind is not really about the parents but so right where are my notes okay so one thing that I really liked about this book is that the problems that it's dealing with are real problems Mm -hmm. so you get it established fairly early on the depth of Frank's parents obsession with this idea that their kids have to only date Koreans yep because Frank has this older sister who started dating a black guy and as soon as she told her parents they stopped talking to her and they literally haven't spoken to her since oh, um, sad. I know. and Frank talks about this and his best friend is black so they have some interesting conversations about this where Frank feels weird about like talking to his friend about the fact that his parents are super racist mm. and because his when his friend comes around, the parents are nice to him because like he's fine, he's safe, he's a boy, he's not gonna start dating Frank, so like whatever. Um, but obviously their opinion of black people is well, you know, it's all right if you're friends with our kids, but don't date them. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of a horrible situation for his friend to be in and for him to be in. It's a very um, real situation from the sounds of it that a lot of people like go through. Yeah, and it's obviously you can kind of see where it's come from with them not so much like the the extent to which they can't handle it but that desire to keep their community as such as it is together and to retain that sense of cultural identity in America they have these kind of monthly meetings with all these other Korean families who sort of immigrated at roughly the same time and they're like the parents are already good friends and the kids all come together and this there's this kind of sense that they're trying to keep hold of some element of the life that they had before the bits that they liked anyway rejecting the stuff that they came to America to improve on but it's a really complicated thing and you can see how for them they're like well if our kids marry outside of Korean families then they're going to lose what makes us us but on the other hand it's like the, from the kids point of view they're saying well you brought us to America and now what you want us to just close off like just close our eyes to everyone outside of this bubble and obviously like that's a completely unreasonable thing to expect from them and they are horrendous in the way they talk about people of other races and it's hard to maintain that empathy for them as you're reading and you feel Frank has a huge amount of anger 
understandably and justifiably so for the way his sister's been treated. So yeah, it's just a really, really tough, complicated thing. And I think the author handles it really, really beautifully and kind of, because like we could just talk about that for 20 minutes, but it's just a small part of the book's story and the book's the kind of character narrative. So yeah, it's amazing. Um, from kind of the, the romance point of view, obviously Frank starts off, he starts dating Brit quite early on. But because she's white, he can't introduce her to his family. He can't even tell them that he's going out with anybody because they'll want to meet her to know that she's Korean and she's not. So, yeah, he and this other girl from the kind of friendship group um, that they have those monthly gatherings. uh, She's dating a Chinese guy at school who she also can't introduce to her parents for exactly the same reasons. So they agree that they will pretend that they're dating and then they'll arrange to meet up and then actually go and see their respective partners. But they don't tell the partners that this is what's going on. Oh no. They don't want to have that conversation with the partner about, oh no, my parents can't know you exist because they would hate you because you're not Korean, because that's a really horrible conversation to have with anybody. So, you know, I see why they avoid it. On the other hand, there are points where it gets a bit frustrating because it's like, this looks really suspicious and weird. Yeah. So you're not actually saving them from hurt here by hiding the situation. You're just making them think that you're ashamed of them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Definitely. And it's one of those things. And it's I think it's a thing common to a lot of romance stories and a lot of YA stories and the overlap there. That thing where if people would just talk to each other a little bit more, maybe some of these problems could have been avoided, you know? Yeah. There are definitely moments where I was frustrated with the main character for not just saying to Brit, okay, this is why my parents can't know I'm dating you and I'm sorry and it sucks and they're awful, but I really care about you and I want you to know the situation. And yeah, maybe she would be like, I don't want a relationship under those conditions. Or maybe she would be like, okay, I get it, fine. But at least he wouldn't be in a situation where he's suddenly weirdly friends with this girl that as far as Brit knows, he's never been that close to before but I don't know it's just this yeah <laughs> the other thing is as well obviously just a disclaimer I've not read this book yes um, and I won't say my opinions on whether I will read this book until the end of this <laughs> because that's the rule but the thing with these sort of books is that what they don't realize is and obviously it's intentional because it's part of the story is that by not telling the person that you're dating that this is the situation you're also taking away their choice because mm-hmm. you're tricking them in a way <laughs> like it's not like a downright lie it's just that you're deceiving them and I just think I think that's why I love YA so much is because as an adult I can look back and I'm like oh you shouldn't be doing that but also like I probably would have done something like that at their age because Uh you only think of things very two-dimensional. That's true I guess I can see how as a teenager you look at the situation and think well I don't want her to know how awful my parents are and how much they would hate her and so you end the thought there the thought becomes like how do I avoid that yeah and so any solution that stops you from having to have that conversation seems like a good solution even when it involves a whole other layer of deception that she would not be happy with and just like just inviting this random person to come along for your dinners just (laughs) yeah it's easier than having an awkward conversation yeah don't don't mind joy she's just having a lift to the cinema at the same time crazy coincidence you know it's funny you mentioned the thing about the parents finding out because there was a detail early on where I thought oh I feel like they're going to get tripped up on that 
they I think his his parents ask him what movie he's going to see with her and he says the movie that he's going to see with his actual girlfriend and then when they're leaving Joy's house so like the fake girlfriend they ask what they're going to see and she says the movie that she's going to see with her boyfriend and they're like oh that's so sweet have fun and then that doesn't actually come up again so I was like oh okay I thought that was going to be a whole unraveling later down the line but maybe not. I'm just like my mind is just trying to process this like heavy lie because I'm like that's fine but what happens then at these meetups when his parents are like say to like did you enjoy the film and it's like a completely different I know film that <laughs> it would make far more sense to go right we're gonna like double date and like we're gonna go see this person's film this week but then we get to see our film next week like that would yeah. make but obviously again YA characters they don't always make the best choices. And if they did, there would be no books. So how can we be mad at them? No, definitely not mad. I'm just very <laughs> like, my mind hurts from trying to process all the layers of this lie. I know. I definitely, as I was reading it, I was thinking, man, there must be less complicated ways of making this work. Yes. <laughs> Frank's friends are sweet as well. Although, so, right, he's got this best friend called Q, who is like his guy. And they are super tightly knit and they are great and then they've got this other friend whose name I had to go back into the book to check called Paul who is virtually irrelevant (laughs) (laughs) like love him nothing against Paul you know I'm not throwing shade it's just from a storyline point of view I don't know what he was doing there was he like a plot like a plot based character like he was just there just so that it showed that this guy had friends maybe I think probably because he didn't like there was no moment where you were like ah it's Paul's moment it's his time to shine (laughs) if anything there was this whole thing where his D&D character died in a campaign and it was like oh well I guess that's why he's not around for a while like (laughs) oops we killed Paul off right because (laughs) we can in a YA book that's not a fantasy setting in D&D and this explains now why there's a sudden gap of no Paul in the rest of the story. Paul has become absent, he may or may not return, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, he's not doing anything anyway. No. Don't worry, see you Paul, (laughs) take care of yourself. In a bit, Remember social distancing, Paul. Wash your hands! (laughs) 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 So the book, like we said, covers a lot, because this is the thing that I was kind of debating whether I'll talk about, but it happens just over half the way through, I think, which is, as you might expect, in any situation where two people pretend to date, what inevitably ends up happening? They get found out that they're not dating. Okay, what's the other thing that inevitably happens when two people are pretending that they're together? They fall in love. Yay! <laughs> so that was the thing that happened and it was really sweet and to be honest I think it was handled in a really nuanced way where you kind of saw what was going on before they did but you didn't feel like because sometimes it feels like you know these things get dragged out to a point where the character ends up behaving really badly and you kind of know that they're more interested in the other person but they're just stringing the other one along so I think from that point of view this was handled really well Frank is obviously dealing with several different layers as he works out what his feelings are towards Joy and there's this element as well of do I like her because it would be easier to like her because my parents would accept it or do I actually like her because we get along really well and you know we share a similar sense of humour and then there's also the fact and maybe I do like her because we share a bit of cultural context that 
yeah. this other person doesn't understand and won't understand. Is that okay? Or is that sort of falling into my parents' mindset? So there's a lot to unpack there. And I think they don't dive deep into it, which I think is probably for the best, because that, again, is a lot to go over and to kind of try and figure out. But there's a real sense that the character and by extension, the author is kind of aware of all of those layers of nuance. So, yeah, no, that's a really sweet. There's a, there are sort of a couple of sweet love stories woven into this, which is fun. It's like Ooh. several for the price of one. Just none for Paul. None for Paul. No. Sorry. Who, sorry. Who's Paul? Where, where did? I think he's just this guy that plays D&D. D&D Paul. That sounds about right. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Poor Paul. Justice for Paul. <laughs> like if we ever get to make merchandise, we'll make our first badge Justice for Paul. Justice for Paul. Absolutely. I will wear that loud and proud. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of my main thoughts. I think in some ways it was tough to get the balance right of all the different things that are going on, both in terms of writing it, reading it, and now talking about it. I feel like there's a lot to it. Because there's this whole the whole thing about his relationship with his parents is a really complicated and ever evolving thing. Because as deeply flawed as they are, and they are deeply, deeply flawed, he still loves them. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't always understand them, and they don't really understand him. But there's a lot of a lot of real love there. So yeah, it's a really complicated book. But it doesn't feel you know how like some books feel complicated and heavy when you're reading them. This doesn't. It feels light. It made me laugh. It also made me cry. But yeah, no, just a really sweet, interesting book. Yeah. What's your seashell rating? What's your shell rating? Okay, my shell rating out of five um, would be four and a half. Four and a half? Four yeah, four and a half. So somewhere between I really liked it and I loved it. Yeah. And would you, Laura, take this book to your island library? <sighs> the diff- most difficult question of this podcast it is really difficult I was so I was thinking probably not but after talking about it now I'm leaning towards yes because I think it would stand up to a reread and kind of sitting more with some of the stuff that it talks about and uh and it was just really good fun but also it could be you know sometimes you want a good cathartic cry I think this book could also do that. So I think it, I think it would come with me to the island library. Yeah. Oh, our first book on the island. No, congratulations, frankly, and love. <laughs> you little cutie. It is a cutie. So then it goes to me and whether I would then read based on Laura's discussion. And I would have to say, yes, I would absolutely read this book. It definitely screams to a lot of the things that I really love, which is really strong character development. And I wouldn't say like heavy topics are like my favourite thing because that sounds really bad. (laughs) I do like a book that really struggles with itself Mm. and like knots its way through the situation that the characters are in. So I think for me, if I had a bell, I'd be like, ding, ding, ding. I (laughs) read this book, which is also massive credit to you. I'm doing a little applause for really delving into the pages of that book all the puns all the puns oh dear so I guess it's back over to me with solitaire one thing I just want to point out before I give my brief 30 second thing is this is not a love story okay I only say that because it's actually part of the cover artwork on the front and it says this is not a love story Mm -hmm. which greatly threw me when I began reading this book but 
here's my 30 second quick summary okay spring had friends last year but that was last year before her brother had an eating disorder with a blog called Solitaire up and running and causing havoc at the school she attends, Tori Springs embarks on a journey of teenage discovery and who her real friends are. This is a heavy, fun and emotional read that will take you to places you've never been before. Ooh, that sounds intense. It's actually, so breaking down the layers of this book, and it's really ironic that we both read quite heavy reads. Yeah. Now, I previously knew this author from the Heartstopper series so I have all three comic series which is actually the story of Tori's brother from this book so this book predates all of that and this is the first book by this author I don't know if it's a debut but I want to say it's her debut there are some really clever things to do with this book which is the fact that on the back of this book it says follow Tori on Tumblr because she runs a Tumblr blog and it's actually the Tumblr blog the author uses which is really really fun but yeah delving into this book it is such a heavy read now, this is going to be a little bit spoilery too, but it's just more as like, I'm not really going to go into what the plot is, but it's just some of the themes in it. Obviously, I've already mentioned that her brother, who's called Charlie, has an eating disorder that actually had him hospitalised at some point. And it's mentioned quite a bit throughout the book. So if that's something you struggle with, maybe don't read this book. And also there's a big, heavy undercurrent of the fact that it seems as though Tori is suffering from some sort of anxiety or depression or something and I I still for how quickly I read this because I literally couldn't put this book down I'm pretty sure it doesn't downright say what she has but she accepts in the end that she needs some help because she realizes she's just unraveled so it is very very heavy it's set in Britain which I thought was really interesting and I thought that was interesting because a lot of the YA books that I end up reading don't feel like they're set in Britain Mm, and I see it's like most of them are American doesn't it whereas this was very British very You could imagine yourself walking the corridors. And also, Alice, the author, wrote this either fresh out of school herself or during school. So it's very, very true to a real teenage life. And it's very rich within the book, even down to like the sense of the school. You can literally, it's like you're almost there and you travel to this place and you're just following Victoria around. Like I said, it's not a love story. It's a story about love for herself, I would say the most, because she really struggles with the with the weight I guess that's on her shoulder she similarly to your book has a difficult relationship with her parents in the fact that her mom just doesn't seem that interested but as we all know as teenagers when our mom didn't seem interested it was more to do with us than it was to do with them but (laughs) that was me looking at it from an adult's point of view but from her point of view her her mom was really disengaged her dad he was there the lights were on no one was home but he would like talk to her and he was really excited about talking about books with her but she's not a reader, so it just went over her head. And then she's constantly trying to be there for her brother. And obviously she really struggles with that. And I just feel like she's very lost. She doesn't really know who she is anymore. Like her friend gets a boyfriend and she's not interested in boys. It's like she's just that poor little lamb that's just not quite figured out where she needs to be. And because of that, she sort of falls apart from the crowd and she sort of isolates herself and doesn't realise she's doing it. And like the voices in her head... I have to say voices like in air quotes because it's not real voices. More like internal monologue. Yeah, internal monologue is just like she's better off with that. They're bad people, they're like bad friends. And like all teenage YA books, the girl friendships are the most difficult and they are the most true. And when you really dive into them, you actually always remember a girl who reminded you of the girl. (laughs) And she does have a really difficult relationship with 
who used to be her best friend, who's a female, but a little bit like Paul, she's just floats in and floats out a little bit. She's there mm-hmm. when it matters, but she's it's more a story about her and it's a story about Michael Holden. And Michael is really, really, really interesting to me. He is. I don't know how to explain it. It's just so hard, I think, in YA to get a really broken boy. You don't uh-huh. find them. You find the boys try to fix the girl. But Michael is just as broken. And they're like two broken pieces that seem to find one another. And it's not romantic, but they just find that they need each other. And I think she questions whether she likes him, but she likes being around him. And it's it's more of an appreciation than an actual love story. And he gets her like other people don't, but he has his own issues as well. And I think it's just very beautiful how Alice has like sewed those two together, but not made one seem worse than the other. And something that really stood out for me is that they both apologise to one another at various different points because they both cock up. There is no other way to say it. <laughs> but flash out at one another because the weight of the world is just heavy on their shoulders. They both got family issues and stuff. And it's just such a strong, heavy read. And to the point that I just I wanted Victoria's life to get better, which made me not want to put the book down. Aww. As heavy as some of the topics were, it is light. It is funny. Did make me laugh. Made me cry. And there's just like this one, the back, it says, I don't ever remember not being serious. As far as I'm concerned, I came out of the womb spouting cynicism and wishing for rain. And it's just that even her mindset of herself is that she's this negative great cloud that's just floating around all these white clouds. And it's okay that she wants to be by herself and she doesn't see anything wrong with it. And yet, you know, looking at Victoria, you know that something's wrong. I kind of want to give her a hug. But obviously you can't. The other things that I've sort of mentioned way back to what I was discussing at the beginning is that everything just feels really real. I would say it's a really good, true representation of what a teenage girl goes through and also a teenage boy, even though it's all written from Victoria's point of view. The snippets of what you get from Michael's life is very true. Like you can imagine the Michael of your childhood in this book and heavily feel for him and also want to give him a huge hug. There's a real sense of friendship in this, but it's not the friendships that you always imagined you would have. And I thought that was really, really beautiful. I'm trying not to say too much about the spoilers. (laughs) There's there's a whole other kettle of fish going off with this blog. Now, obviously the blog is there for all intents and purposes to like stir up a bit of drama Mm -hmm. and create a bit of, um, like, just aggravate people, basically. And it sort of riles everybody up in in the way that you wouldn't expect. And it sort of empowers all of the students to rally against sort of the teachers in a way and the school and just it's very the blog tends to disrupt school life. (laughs) It's just like so odd. And you you have to think, well, it's obviously run by a child. Well, not a child, but like a teenager. And I'm not going to say who was behind the whole blog because it's a huge part of the end of it's right at the end of the book. And to, to be fair, I was a little bit surprised until a certain point as well, because I was so caught up in what Victoria and Michael's life was that the blog just seemed like on the back foot for me a little bit because I was just really interested in their characters mm-hmm. um, but I think I'm trying to think of the things that the blog did like the blog took over played songs like all day through like the school and I think it hijacked an interactive whiteboard <laughs> at one point it might not have been an interactive whiteboard but it was definitely something to do with that and created this concert thing and a house party and it was just very very um teenagey and it was just all very like 
bizarre, but there's also this whole undercurrent, which is there from the Heartstopper books about Charlie, which is Victoria's brother, about him being in love with another boy. And he always knew he was gay. And I think he'd come out long before him and this other boy's relationship came into light. But there are often comments made to Charlie about this. And unfortunately, one of the people that says some of these very awful things and Victoria overhears is actually her girl best friend's boyfriend and she doesn't do anything. And she sort of angrily kicks off at her best friend because her best friend like knows Charlie, knows what he's been through and still stands there and says nothing. And it's just a very, a very heartbreaking moment for her where she realises that her whole life in her eyes has been a lie. Right. It's just crazy. And then I think she goes home that night and that's when Charlie's had one of his episodes with his eating disorder. And yeah, it's just, you just can't imagine the stress that's on this poor girl and then there's this stupid blog it's just running around causing havoc and she's just there late at night I think there's like one part where she was awake till like two or three in the morning just on tumblr Aww. and like anybody who has an anxiety or depression disorder heavily knows what that's like where you're just scrolling and scrolling and mm-hmm. I just like oh no she needs a hug a cup of tea and some therapy <laughs> she's just been through so much and it's I'd say it's like a chunky book but it's got there's not that many words on the page, if that makes sense. Okay. It's chunky, but it's more chunky in the sense of like all the themes it crams into it. And it's just, it's just wild. It's a wild, wild book. Did you feel like there was space within the book for all of the things that were going on? Yeah, uh, definitely. I just think, I think depending on what you want to get out of the book, the book will offer you something different. Okay. So I was heavily wanting to follow. And I guess without the Solitaire blog, you wouldn't have got Victoria to the places she needed to be for these things to happen. But also, when you find out why the blog was created, you're a bit like, well, that's actually done the opposite of what you wanted the blog. (laughs) But yes, I feel like Alice really tackled everything perfectly. I wouldn't say that there was anything additional that was needed or anything needed to be taken out. It was just a very emotional book in terms of her story. But I also don't know if I would feel the same if I read this 10 years earlier. Okay, that's interesting. Because having been diagnosed with my own anxiety disorder, I think when I started to read and I started to see the signs in her, I became very emotionally attached to her. Right. And really wanted to get to a point in the story where she got help. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to save her. Whereas I think earlier... I would have probably been a lot more interested in what this blog was up to. Okay. Because I wouldn't have been so emotionally attached. I think I still would have been attached to the character because she's still really well written. Sure, yeah. But I don't think I would have been as I'm going to save you as I am now. That's so interesting. Yeah. I also love, obviously can't comment yet on whether or not I am planning on reading this book after your summary, but this is going back a bit to something you said earlier, but I have such a soft spot for strong male-female friendships some of the best friendships that I've had some of them have been with guys and with no romantic dynamic to them at all it's just we've supported each other and really been there for each other and it always winds me up when I see male female friendships that are set up purely to bring them to a romantic place yeah and it just seems like they're only the, the friendship is literally just a precursor to a romantic relationship and I mean I don't hate it 100% of the time because sometimes that's how relationships happen fine, yeah. whatever. but 
just it makes me so happy to see just those friendships and that real kind of emotional support because I feel like that's something the narrative that we don't get to see as much as I would like definitely I mean they do skirt on the edges of it being romantic at points but I think that's naturally how these two characters and how they've come into one another's lives Mm. and sort of teetering on the edge of those two things naturally and I think they do really like each other but I think they're so buried in what's expected of them and how they actually feel like she's very adamant that he's not her boyfriend when people say it to her but yet when she's like I do I I like him oh I think I like being around him Mm. and it it is that is you can't put everybody in a box and I think that's the thing that really comes out of this book is that even if maybe they have romantic moments it doesn't end with them finally like it sort of left to you in a way to imagine how they would go on yeah I think that's really interesting as well because the the line between a romantic relationship and a friendship when you're really close to someone and particularly at that age when you're still learning so much about yourself and your what you're looking for in a romantic relationship and when you're not even sure whether you're interested in that where kind of where you stand on the spectrum of like desire for romance in your life romance why don't I pronounce it like that um romance in your life so yeah that's that sounds really interesting Mm, it was a really good book I did really 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 enjoy it and I literally couldn't put it down and it was heavy but it was also really soft in places and just really loving and just kind in the end I think it was very kind to itself and I just think if this was the first book that Alice has written a round of applause to her because it's such a great book and it's just having read some of her later books it definitely stands out all on its own and it's just a really really good read I really enjoyed it it still makes me smile Aww. and then I think of poor Tori needing a hug and I'm just like no <laughs> so my shell rating yeah what's your shell rating my shell rating is also the same as yours and it'd be 4.5 out of 5. Okay. Um, I think my reasons for it is the same as yours. I really enjoyed it but I I almost loved it but almost didn't. I think there wasn't anything I would say that would take out for me to really like it or to really love it but I just feel quite strongly with 4.5. Okay and would it go with you to your island library? No. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I would reread it again at some point in my life but I don't think it would go with me to my island more so because I don't know if I can emotionally go back through it Fair. but also it was such a nice fun read but instead of taking it with me to the library I am really interested in reading the rest of Alice's work right see whether any of her other books would go with me to the library fair enough yeah okay so what are you planning on reading next? What's next on the agenda? I'm going to read Every Last Word by Tamara Island Stone, which apparently is a New York Times bestseller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself, Laura? What are you going to read next time? I think I'm going to read Hope and Other Punchlines by Julie Buxbaum. I think that's how you pronounce her. Oh, that looks really cute. Yeah, it could be another quite heavy one but I have I have a lot of faith in these YA authors and I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be good I'm just reading the summary for this and I also think mine's gonna be quite heavy. <laughs> you know I feel like there's a lot of really deep stuff being explored god stuff is such an awful word I think there's a lot of really deep and complicated topics being explored in YA at the moment 
I say that maybe it's always been, but I feel like there's a sense that, you know, young people, not only can they handle these stories, but they need these stories to, to see these people dealing with difficult issues, deep identity, external forces that are really difficult for them to handle. So yeah, I was thinking as I was reading Frankly in Love that this is a lot going on and it's being handled really deftly and really intelligently and with a lot of sensitivity. Um, and then I was thinking that actually that is that is the norm rather than the exception in the YA books that I'm reading recently. It's kind of really nice to see and really interesting. I do think just hanging on to everything that you said, I think I think young adult is really stepping into its own. And it might have been doing this for a while, but definitely from how long I've been reading YA books. And then as of late, the kind of books I've been picking up that are young adult it's more branching into that really older latter end of young adult like sort of actually filling the space of what would be new adult but at a teenage level Mm. I think the thing is is with these categories is that as you'll remember from when you were young when you read those Biff and Chip books which were like the first books we all which all British kids all got to read at school Biff and Chip Biff and Chip if you don't know who that is please google because they're like the greatest set of books you'll ever read (laughs) I mean in your like in your age category and from that you then progress up depending on how quickly you can get through those books and I found that I had a much higher reading age and it's actually really nice that now young adults are tackling some of these themes and then those who are technically teens who have a much older reading age will be able to read these and actually really relate to these books and yeah. relate to the struggles. Because I'm telling you, if Solitaire had been there and frankly in love when I was a teenager at school, I might not have felt so on my own as I often did. Yeah, so I know. I know how you feel. The, the Island Library, the young adult books tackling heavy themes yeah I don't know if mine is actually a YA book or not I need to triple check for next time sure just because off the podcast I just found out that a book that I did order is actually in German (laughs) so who knows at this point (laughs) so who knows what I've ordered at this point just before we close out of this podcast one interesting question I thought of we could ask one another is we mentioned right at the beginning that we were both writers and how's writing going for you at this moment in time how is things I'm actually right at the point of finishing this draft of my story I've basically so I had I thought I'd finished it and then I realized I needed another chapter to tie off some stuff so now I've actually finished it and I'm about to be sending it out to some friends who have said that they're interested in reading it so I can get some feedback so that's quite exciting that is very exciting I'm so happy for you thank you how about you how's your writing so for those who don't follow me, I absolutely smashed Nano this year. <laughs> and I literally wrote 50,000 words in like 16 days. It was absolutely bonkers. But then I got Amazing. Animal Crossing and then stopped writing. <laughs> Am I even a writer if you don't have an identity crisis when you get Animal Crossing? But in the last two weeks, I've been, I had like a bit of a brainwave. Cool. And I was like, this would be such an interesting thing to add into this particular story. So I've had to sort of go back a little bit, re-edit the chapters to tie it all together and I think I would forget about it when I edited it the second time and I'm a bit of a a go-backer so I'm not really much further along but the story is a lot stronger and has a clear purpose and I've worked out what would happen in its sequel it's definitely a series so because of some of the themes that I've then introduced it'd be too much for it to go through that whole journey in one book so I'm gonna follow on so 
that's where I'm up to. Cool. I just realised that I never actually said whether I would read the book that you talked about. I missed that oh. off. And yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> so when we are finally able to see each other once again, we can just trade books. Yeah, we'll just trade. I'll just bring you my German book. <laughs> I also have to confess that I don't read German. Um, but I would like to read Solitaire, assuming that that is in English. Fully in English, Solitaire is. I did not. 100% mess. English. 100% written in English. But yes, I think that is episode one. I think it is. Thanks for podding with me. And um, hopefully we'll all see you in the next one. Thank you so much. See you soon. Bye.